0: <laughs> Taylor Monaghan
1: the yeah.
0: product manager at MetaMask still right that's like the title at MetaMask
1: I actually I have a new title now um, Oh, but I don't know what it is so let's just go with that but yeah I'm, I'm focused more on security and user safety now than like um, the product product side it's an evolution okay. everything's an evolution um, but yeah I don't know it's a new change the title thing so, is a new change the role is not changed at all
0: but you get to focus more on, on on the stuff that you're really interested in, right? The security side and the
1: yeah, you know, le- exactly. less of the
0: day to day product stuff and, and the actual. That's why is that why you're doing so much lately? Like, I just everything I see from you is digging into these hacks and stuff like that. Is is that because you have more free time to work on it with your job?
1: Yes, actually. Okay. So the evolution has been super fun for me. The evolution has been you know like. Uh, like I created this wallet suddenly I was the CEO Um, you know bull market bear market bull market bear market like everything goes back and forth Um, I had a team I was like fully responsible for like you know my team's livelihoods and stuff nobody told me that when I became CEO like (laughs) you figure it out on your own Um, and so yeah with the the latest bull market it was you know, we've always been close with the MetaMask team. We've always worked together closely. Um, it just made sense to sort of make it official. And so we were sort of aqua by consensus. The whole my crypto team, which was like, yeah, almost 20 people, joined the MetaMask team and like full integration. Um, and then what that meant for me is I, you know, had a bit more, uh, I guess, freedom uh, over time to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and obviously my first priority was to, uh, you know, make sure that everyone was like in the best position that they could possibly be in, make sure that the talent on my team uh, could like contribute to the things that they loved doing and the things that they were really great at. Um, and then once that was sort of in a secure place, uh, I decided to focus on myself for the first time in forever. Um, and I've always done, like, investigations, and I've always, like, been trying to fight the fishers and the scammers. Um, but because Consensus is such a large organization, because so many of the things that I was handling, like payroll, like fundraising, like uh, word structure, like, because that's all handled, I suddenly had, like, a lot more free time um, to focus on the things that I really love doing. And one of those is, yeah, it's really diving into... Like, you know, what is blocking people from being safe in this ecosystem? How do we stop bad things from happening? Um, and increasingly, this like question of like, what do we do when bad things do happen? Because it's, it's not enough to just like try to stop them. Bad things are going to happen. So uh, yeah, when, we, when they happen, what do we do? Um, and so, that's been what I'm focused on lately.
0: So you're looking at it from the point of view of of MetaMask, though, right? Like primarily thinking about it from the wallet development point of view, and then it yeah, sort of expands out beyond extent. that. Obviously, when you report, okay?
1: Yeah, it's so it's definitely like partially like focused on the wallet, uh, like the non-custodial, self-custodial wallet, um, mm-hmm. but it's really about sort of this new uh, this new way of doing things where individuals are in full control of their money. Um, and that's very much aligned with like Metamask and the goals of Metamask. And obviously, you know your wallet is uh, probably like one of the most key pieces of that puzzle, right? In order for you to control your money and for no one else to control it, <laughs> you have to be using a wallet like Metamask. Um, but yeah, I think that the the bigger questions apply to, Um, I guess like every individual in this ecosystem and you know, yes, it's focused on MetaMask to a certain extent, but you know, it doesn't only apply to MetaMask.
0: What are the um, like current challenges that are facing MetaMask in that regard? Is it like, what I keep wondering is we keep hearing about things happening and you're always reporting on stuff like and investigating stuff. And it seems like almost always it's all about phishing, social engineering, Like, it seems like the tech is good. The tech is secure. But, like, the people keep screwing things up.
1: Yeah. And part of that is because we've sort of upended the system. Um, And so, like, when you look at, like, traditional finance and stuff, it's, um, you know, like, when a bank has control of your money, if the money goes away, it's usually the bank's fault. Um, And because they sort of have... Uh, full control over the movement of funds and, like, the bank is actually the one sending the funds, you know, if the bank decides to send your funds to a scammer, it really is more, you know, like, to a certain extent, there's things that users do with banks as well, but there really is a lot more that banks can do. Um, when it comes to MetaMask, specifically, like, we have very little insight into what our users are doing. Um, we, like, minimize um you know, the information that we collect, the information that we store. Um, we have, like, you know, if you have metametrics turned on, for example, we have, like, aggregate information about the actions that people are taking within the application. However, that information is not actually linked to uh, anything that's really happening on-chain. So, like, we know you click the button in the app, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't actually, like, um, mean anything about what's happening on-chain. Um, and so it's a really interesting problem because you're both, you know, you're trying to empower people to take whatever actions they want to take. You're limiting your own knowledge about what, they're, what actions they're taking. Uh, and you're trying to simultaneously stop people from taking actions that are harmful to them um, via whatever means that is. Like, you know, whether that's um, like phishing where the site is like grabbing their private keys, whether that's malware where something is on their device and taking their secrets and the private keys, whether that's malware, like sophisticated malware, where that's actually replacing the MetaMask application on their disk to be a malicious MetaMask that we saw with um with Hugh Carp, obviously, but there's been a couple other cases as well. Um the the fraud and the scams, right? Where they actually like the end user is deceived into taking an action that's harmful to them. Those ones are really prevalent today with like the wallet drainers that you know most people are familiar with but they're also incredibly prevalent with like investment scams pig butchering scams uh romance scams that whole gambit um and it's you know that one's really hard to combat like traditional finance doesn't figure that one out either um it's really hard to prevent someone from doing something they intend to do
0: yeah Really but not. but, like I said, like all of the problems right now they're not bugs in the software, and they're not yeah. they're not zero days or like any other, they're 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 people doing things wrong so it's it's always been interesting to watch Metamask kind of grapple with and by the way, other web three wallets aren't doing this as much, and it's interesting because um like frame or or these they don't seem to give a crap, and people. But it, but it seems like the more experienced users are using them. Like you guys are saddled with the total first day noobs coming in, yeah. like creating, you know, their seed phrase, writing it down in, in notepad or taking a picture, a mm-hmm. screenshot. And then like they go and they, they transfer like 50,000 USDC into their wallet. And then they're like, Oh, let's have some fun. And then they're drained the next day. Right. So it's like, yeah. you guys have that unique challenge that nobody else in, in the space, at least in the, Web three wallet space has maybe Coinbase wallet has that issue, but they don't do as much as you guys do either with the warnings and the the. You guys still have like a blacklist, I think, and stuff like that, right? Like a spam oh, yeah. or a scam list or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, we still have a scam list. We still maintain that every single day. We're pushing updates to it. It's probably like one of the most impactful features of MetaMask that nobody knows about, to be honest, um, yeah. because it does stop a huge just the amount of people that have MetaMask installed. Um, It's one of those things where you don't have to be actively using MetaMask to be protected by the URL blacklist. Um, Yeah, I think that, so the challenges with MetaMask is primarily around uh, just the sheer number of users that we have, combined with the very sort of OG mentality that we have. I think that newer wallets that are sort of starting up, Frame and Rabi are good examples of this, they have a real advantage um, of not having users. Um, and it kind of sucks because when I think back to my time at my crypto, uh, most of my focus was, you know, obviously on attracting more users so that we could like raise money so that we could like continue to operate and build things that were valuable for users. Um, and then when you get to Metas, you're like, oh my God, users, though, so do you have millions and millions of users? It's like the worst thing in the world because it's so hard to push any update that serves the full demographic of users that we have right like we have to literally serve like vitalik while also serving like the newest noob who like heard about a ponzi scheme on tiktok and is like just running like like as fast as possible and like they don't even speak english right like they're like in vietnam or the philippines or china or somewhere um, and they're like sprinting to this Ponzi that like us in the West have no idea even exists. Um, yeah, and we have, to, <laughs> we have to serve both of those. Um, and every single update that we push, no matter how small, you know, has to in some way like uh, consider the impact or the unintended consequences that it could have on, you know, both of those sort of demographics and everything in between. Um, it makes it really hard to build a product. Uh, have you ever thought about
0: we- having... Like a cut like a advanced version and a beginner version, kind of like sometimes exchanges offer you like, you know, begin you know just a swap tool versus like a, a full on exchange.
1: Yeah, so that's actually what sort of the MetaMask end game is. Is okay. Um, okay, so I don't know if you're aware. Like we have MetaMask snaps, which are yeah, um, these it's pretty like they're pretty constrained right now, but they allow external developers to enhance the MetaMask experience. That long-term end goal with MetaMask snaps is that essentially everyone's MetaMask will be sort of like perfectly customized for them because all of the um, sort of features of MetaMask will actually exist as a snap and MetaMask will just be this really secure core thing that like, you know, does the, does just the things that sort of need to be, uh, let's say like fully within the user's control. Um, And so anything that doesn't really serve uh, every user can be sort of like moved up the stack. So that, um, uh, for example, like (laughs) if you're Vitalik or Snowden and you like really need your privacy um, or you really need your security or you're really targeted by, you know, hackers and even nation states, like the MetaMask software can still serve you because you can just use this very minimal bare modes thing that makes like no, uh, n- no API calls. It talks to the RPC endpoint of your choosing, et cetera. Meanwhile, if you're like the newest person just getting into crypto, you can go throw all of the safety, anti drainer, blacklisting things. You can call all of the APIs to auto detect your tokens and your NFTs. Uh, You can call all of the security providers and their APIs to say, like, whoa, no, that's a trainer. No, that's a scam, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that that obviously will, like, best serve, you know, the full demographic of people um, without compromising. But it's going to take a minute to get there. And that's why, like, in the interim, there are days where it feels like MetaMask is not moving fast enough or doing the things that users need right now. And it's because so much of our energy is focused on the architecture and MetaMask snaps and, and that longer game.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like when people lose all their money using MetaMask because of something they did wrong, like as a company, do you guys internalize that and, and try to try to find every way possible to, to stop people, even if it means, I mean, you have to sometimes be talking about things that you think eventually like go too far, right? Like, okay, no, that's, we can't do this because it's it's way too big of a trade off on privacy or something like that. But like at what, at what point it must be really hard to figure out where to draw the line. Like, I mean, yeah. sure. If you wanted to go full on safety mode, you could try to figure out a custody model even like where, for a total yeah. noob. Right. But like, you know, that would defeat the whole mission of what you guys are trying to do. So it's like, where do you draw a line? Where where do you say like, okay, that's their fault and we can't do anything about stupidity. So like, sorry, not that everybody that loses money is stupid, but you know, where yeah. do you, it must be hard to figure out where to draw that line.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's really hard. And there's actually, um, I wouldn't call it like conflict internally, but like there's, there's like healthy debate constantly internally. Um, and especially between sort of um like the more some of the the og product people and then like the newer customer support people uh that's like sort of where the most amount of uh healthy debate (laughs) comes from because it's like on the one hand you have someone who is spending their days literally talking to end users who have usually lost their money uh and then you have these uh, these other people who are like Really focus on the long game of MetaMask and like deep problems with like product and security and safety, um, but you know they're not day to day like talking to end users. They're not day to day talking to the the stupid <laughs> the stupidest of the end users especially. Um, and there's obviously, um, you know, it's it's easy for uh, someone who's like never talking to an end user. It's easy for them to forget what the product does and the impact that it's having at the same time um it's easy for someone who's only talking to end users and only talking to people who are losing money to sort of swing too far in the other direction and say like okay we have to do this to protect them we have to do this to stop this um and then lose sight of like the long game and so the way that we balance this internally is um one by i try to like encourage this type of healthy debate and like provide perspective on both ends and like bring people to the table. Um, but I also like, well, not me personally, but the organization as a whole, actually like the, the things that we do to measure success are sort of like balancing, (laughs) balancing metrics for each other. So on the one hand, one of the biggest goals that we have is to, um, basically like enable people to, uh, do like new and unique things with MetaMask. So we measure like um, the, the number of different things people can do, the number of different dafts that people can access, the number of whatever's it is. Right. Uh, and we try to grow and expand that. Um, and then on the flip side, we're trying to like reduce the amount of loss that we're seeing people experience. Um, and so by having these sort of two, uh, these two goals of these two success metrics that are kind of in conflict to one another, you end up, uh making like product choices and product decisions that um do things to prevent loss but not they don't they don't uh limit people's like digital authority they don't limit the things that people can do because that would be a failure on the other metric um and a good example is like yes the easiest way to prevent people from losing money is to prevent people from sending um period full stop right if you can't send your money you can't lose it however that would you know put metamask in a it wouldn't be metamask would be a failure right it like literally would not be metamask if you couldn't send your money a wallet uh, that you pointless. can't send
0: from i don't know if you want that
1: <laughs> so you know exactly so we have okay. to you know it's kind of always it's always that conflict it's always that tension um and you know sort of i think that the best um like the best ideas or the best product enhancements are ones that like they do, they go through the journey of like battling the tensions. And then like the thing that results from that tension is the balance thing that actually is like probably the most net beneficial while not like it, it does things to help people without harming other people or the same people at the same time.
0: It's just with products in general, like they usually like, I feel like the evolution of most products is that they continue to try to react to customer needs and Mm -hmm. do in doing so they tend to um um want to make it more glossed over like what people need to deal with right like make it more shiny with you know take away a lot of knobs and just make it easier for people but you guys can't really afford to do that in the same way that like any other tech product would because then you'll be accused by people like me of you know like you know, centralizing the choices that people are making or whether you're automatically giving away data to third parties or whatever it might be. Um, so, and plus, you know, it's all, it's very hard to interact with any dApps without having control over like gas and stuff like that. So um, are you, would, I, I try to gauge sometimes, well, actually let me back up a step because we didn't acknowledge in the beginning of this chat, um, you know, we've, we've, uh we first met years ago and um had interesting interesting interactions on twitter and stuff and we we often agree on things we often disagree on things and you've blocked me a bunch of times and i've blocked you a bunch of times um <laughs> yes. but here we are i'm, I'm very thankful that you're, you're chatting with me today but um it's usually um stuff that revolves around around um a lot of it has been around like the company and and practices of the company and stuff like that. But like, do you feel like you are defending like and having to push back to keep it um, sort of genuine and OG and and avoid glossing over stuff? And like, are you the person there that's doing that, or is anybody doing that, or do you feel like it is going to evolve into something more glossy, something that? that Jamie Dimon would approve of in the future. Uh, You know, like, you know, something that that could go to a billion people and they'll all be able to use it without losing money.
1: Yeah. So it's actually, it's funny because I think like Dan Finley and Kumambas, the original MetaMask founders, they're the ones that are sort of most uh, responsible for like the mission and the vision of MetaMask. And it's very much uh, like, I think the magic of MetaMask is sort of this bizarre situation where you have these very philosophical ideologically driven founders existing within the consensus like sprawling consensus organization because the way that dan and kumadis have from day one you know thought about metamask and thought about crypto and thought about what it can enable um that is like it's like core to like metamask and it's like a lot of the product. Um and, and the smallest product choices and the biggest ones, you know, come from that. Um, and that's very much aligned with like the OG crypto way of doing things. It's like preserving people's privacy, like not um, for example, like not auto-detecting tokens because that you know is a risk, right? Um, and then meanwhile you have um certain people or groups within consensus who are um, I'm not going to say like they're wrong, like n- no one here is like wrong or right, but like their perspective is like, we're talking to people and they can't use MetaMask, right? Like they can't use MetaMask because <laughs> their tokens aren't showing up or oh, they yes. can't use MetaMask because um, like they withdrew from their centralized exchange, but that centralized exchange sent them USDC on uh, Polygon and Polygon isn't in the default MetaMask network list and now they're lost we have to do something about this right um and it's like again that tension is i think what has enabled metamask to become what it is um another good example is like the the in-app swaps like that was not something that you know dan and kumamas would have shipped on their own Um, it was like uh it was a thing that was sort of spun out of a different different sort of ideology a different sort of like what is useful for people um and I think it's so interesting to sort of realize that you know for a lot of people I think you're one of them it's like the the metamask swaps feature is uh is is like this high fee convenience thing right like and and for some people that's problematic however the flip side is that like metamask probably would have never survived without it like, literally. Like, no wallet. No. And I don't think that the world would be a better place and MetaMask just, like, poof, didn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. On the flip side, like, uh, like, what is, um, like, if we say, like, what is good for people, right? Like, what is a, a useful, valuable feature for people? You can say that, like, um, this, this thing that can be, uh, that's, like, arguably... Like, it's not verified on EtherScan. That's, like, not the OG way of doing things, right? Like, that's wrong. This thing that takes, like, a fee. Like, that's, like, that's, what's, what did I say? That's, you're just a rent-seeking middleman, right? However.
0: It is a lot of fees. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> it is a lot of um,
0: It makes, doesn't it make, like, what is it? I mean, when I saw the numbers, I was kind of shocked. Uh,
1: I, I'm, I'm when serious. you say
0: metamask couldn't survive without it i mean metamask probably could have survived with maybe 10% of that right but uh not to say it's i mean hey capitalism meets uh, open source right it's like um 20 million we'll or see. whatever it we'll was see. last year <laughs> well,
1: I hope you bear, you know i hope
0: you guys got a nice market, bonus
1: the bear so, market is not over yet like we have to make sure we survive the bear market <laughs> but the okay the <laughs> And that's the hardest thing about crypto, right? Is like you're like, man, look at those fees. And then the fees go to zero the next year. And you're like, oops. Like should have right. that one.
0: Right. I think yeah. I think honestly the biggest um the biggest pushback that I had to that product was that it's targeting people that don't know any better. You know, it's like it's like people are not informed enough to know that mm-hmm. this service is actually using other services that they could be using uh, yeah. for free like lot La- yeah. like DeFi llama has a great swap tool that is very yep. easy to use and you just need to know about it uh yeah. which they don't charge a fee so yeah
1: so you know, i will say it, this it, yeah the way that the swaps team has always defined success is actually not by the fee it's not by how many swaps they have the way that they define success is how many successful people swap, like how many swap transactions are successful um, as a percentage of total swaps. And so Mm -hmm. uh, if you, there's some, there's some Dune dashboards somewhere out there, but if you look at all of the different swap aggregators um, and even, even swap providers, you know, there's sort of two things that, that are like failures when, when you're considering a swap transaction. One is that for whatever reason, the swap fails, like hard fails on chain. Um, maybe that's slippage, maybe that's the user didn't provide enough gas, something simple like that, right? Where they actually end up paying the on-chain fee to the miner or to the validator. However, they do not actually get to swap the two assets that they wanted to swap. So that's mm-hmm. failure mode number one. Failure mode number two is MEV extraction, right? Like where they actually get a worse price um uh due to the presence of MEV bots running around and taking advantage of them, et cetera, et cetera. And what swaps uh, has done uh, from like sort of its inception over the last two years is both reduce the failures by an insane amount. Like most swap aggregators, the failure rate's about 80%. MetaMask swaps, it's like 98% success, right? Um, The other thing that they've done is like worked really hard to reduce MEV and that's an optional feature that you can turn on with like smart transactions. And it's very much like still in the iteration phase Um, and like, there's other people that can talk more about that, but to your point, like, uh, you know, uh, these, the people that are using it are the people that don't know better. Right. And so the way that the, the, that product team, uh, tries to serve those people is like, yes, they could like, yes, the argument that like, okay, they could go to, to, to this other product and, uh, have like a lower fee, but does that actually, make up for for the difference if they got if they have their transaction fail if they're like completely like front run sandwich etc like
0: mm-hmm. right like i appreciate you trying to justify the fees uh, <laughs> i mean it, you know it's, it, it's 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 look i you know you can make the argument that it's like a premium product and and better than the rest but bottom line is i mean it's a captive audience and um, the fees wouldn't be possible Without the low knowledge level of the users, but yeah. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually I haven't used that swap mm-hmm. tool in a while, so I should. And by the way, the, uh, yeah, the other reason people use it is because they think there's going to be a token, right? Which somebody hinted yeah. about at some point. I'm sure you can't which, say anything about. It. I forget who hinted about it. Mm-hmm. Was it Dan or maybe you? I it was know. not Dan. <laughs> not Dan <and> me.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, was it Joe Lubin? Was it... <laughs> When's I that dare drop?
1: I honestly, I, I mean, it was Joe, but it was not Joe. It was mostly the, the upholding. It was the upholding guys interviewing Joe, and oh, okay, their okay. audience ran rampant with it. It was like a, it was honestly one of the most purest bull market crypto things I've ever witnessed in my entire life, where like everything just got so quickly distorted and full of like that bullish energy that like we were all just looking like. <laughs> what just happened? It was wild.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, anybody who's listening to this, don't keep using that swap tool just because you think there's going to be an airdrop. Because who knows? We... Unless Taylor wants to confirm it right now. uh No, no,
1: you know, no, no. Me save your money. Been very. We've been very explicit about the fact that. So this is the biggest problem with like the the airdrop, the airdrop rumor for us is that. Um, is that, like, or, like, the not even the airdrop rumor, the people that are demanding the airdrop from MetaMask for using swaps. <laughs> like, let's be real here. If we want to do, like, a truly fair, like, way, like, if we want to say that, like, uh, uh, like, let's use this token to fairly redistribute the swap fees to people, the best way to do that is to not create a token that then, like, has this one feature of our product take in fees and then redistribute to token holders. No, 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 no. The most fair way to do that would be to just not have the fee in the first place. Right. It would be cheaper. (laughs) It would be cheaper. And it would be actually fair. Right. fair In an ongoing way.
0: Don't you know that, that, that crypto is all about extracting as much money as you can from helpless noobs. And redistributing it to d- anonymous yeah. dgens with frog avatars on Twitter, and making sure sh- you know that's the cycle that we're. That's what DeFi is all about, right? It's about yeah. taking money from from dummies, giving it to some some noobs uh, or to to the degens. And I mean, that's you know you're perpetuating that cycle with the airdrop. I, I fully expect yeah. you guys to to drop that token promptly. Um, <laughs> I demand
1: you it. We distribute, <laughs> distribute wealth to the to the biggest speculators and Ponzi believers. That's that's right. the way. No, yeah, Hi, we I'm... are we're obsessed with like the idea of like fairness and optimal fairness, which is like philosophically very interesting, but like completely incompatible with airdrops.
0: Let me ask you a couple of questions about MetaMask.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, okay, first, maybe not directly about MetaMask, but what, what do you think is the best way for people to um, to stay secure these days? Why, why doesn't MetaMask um, include features like passphrase or um, – why is MetaMask still just throwing your, your, your 24 or 12 words or whatever it is up on the screen at, when you know that people are screenshotting it? Like why, why aren't you guys trying to push people to do extra to, to stay safe? Do you think they're too dumb?
1: So there is one that the, the whole flow during onboarding has evolved a lot in the last, like, six months, a year. And also the flow for when you show your seed phrase. I don't know if you've done it in a while, but you actually have to go through a quiz. When oh, yeah I, quiz. Yeah. yeah, I did do the quiz. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, that. so it's so interesting. It's actually reduced the number of people who show their seed phrase, like, dramatically. Um, oh. Because, uh, like, the research that we showed, like uh most people did not like reveal their seed phrase in order to like do anything that they actually wanted to do they were showing their seed phrase to copy it into a scam site um we've actually reduced like like there's a reason why you see less srp phishing sites sorry seed phrase phishing secret recovery phrase phishing private key phishing sites the reason is like because our product has dramatically like made it it's just made it way harder for people to to fall victim to those um, however, as a result, that's why the like the approval phishing, the permit phishing, the ERC20 phishing, those style drainers where they actually trick you into signing like a like a set approval for all on your NFTs or like an unlimited approval on your your token spends. Uh, and then they drain that one thing. The reason why those are so prevalent today uh, is because we've actually gotten better at preventing the secret recovery phrase compromises. Um and we were a bit slow. In my opinion, we were a bit slow to react to the evolution of the the fishers and the scammers, right? There's a very like clear shift when you look back at it from sea phrase fishing to the wallet drainers. Uh however, we've gotten way better at that. Uh we just rolled out an integration with blockade. Uh, and that was like probably one of the the most interesting and also like the hardest features because Again, we don't want to expose everyone's transaction to a third party API. Like, that is a data set that is insanely valuable to basically anyone. Um, and so, yeah, we worked really closely with Blockade to do it in a, in a privacy preserving way. Um, and that it'll be interesting to see how the drainers evolve and the phishing evolves. Um, I think the next. I think what we'll continue to see, which has been a trend for a while, is like, you know, as we get better at stopping, you know, one form of fishing or one form of scams, like they all just like kind of like like migrate and like this, like this blob of scammers and, and bad people like migrating to like the lowest hanging fruit. Um, and so yeah, the one that is on my radar and a lot of people's radar is like the it's like the the more like the the true fraud, the true scams, like the call centers, like the um, the pig butchering's, right? The fake applications where, like, people truly believe that they're like investing their money into this DAP, but the whole thing is is a is a fake. Like the whole mm-hmm. thing is fake. Um, and then the other one is like the these sort of more high energy uh, one on one interactions where the scammer is actually coaching the user through any number of actions um, and manipulating them like on the spot. Um, and we found that it's like, even though the, the the product enhancements that we've done around like seed phrase phishing, right? Those work when a user's on a phishing site and they like open MetaMask and MetaMask is like, are you sure you wanna show your secret recovery phrase? It works if they're just like on a phishing site. However, it doesn't necessarily stop someone who's like on the phone with a fake customer success agent who's coaching them through that. They tend to listen to the voice uh, or even if it's like a live chat, they'll actually listen to the the scammer and that will like supersede the warnings. In app. Even if they're like big, red, huge warnings, like, no, don't do this. The one-on-one interaction can supersede that. And it's, uh, yeah, that's where I predict we're going to see more and more scams and frauds and loss migrate to and it'll be Mm -hmm. again very interesting to see how we how we learn to stop those because that is so terrifically hard yeah you're
0: doing you're doing all that work and then like the other day i was looking at dydx is launching their their chain and i was looking at their documentation for how to stake uh not that i'm staking because you you can't do that if you're a u.s resident uh but if you did want to stake their their documentation gave these steps. It was this is DYDX documentation. Uh because you can't use MetaMask to to stake on their chain. You have to use um Kepler wallet. Oh yeah. so the, the the documentation said reveal your private key, copy it to clipboard, uh and paste it into Kepler wallet. And this was, you know, it's like three easy steps. Um, (laughs) but I'm looking at it like, I can't believe that this is actually, and there's no warnings. There's no, you know, I think maybe it said, be careful, (laughs) (laughs) but it was nothing about, there was nothing about why you shouldn't do this or why you should never do this or, you know, why it's a terrible idea. Um, so how many of those people are going to lose their money? I don't know. Hopefully it's not that many people doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think that you guys get emails and phone calls or whatever for text from from everybody that loses their money, and you probably know as well as I do that probably half of them know better. Like when they're doing that stuff, they know better, and then they lose their money, and then they go crying and screaming to you or to their congressperson or to you know whoever whoever will listen um, because they want to they want to get their money back and they feel like even if it was their fault they feel like they're owed something right so okay. this is why regulators exist because people are whiny little babies that don't know how to be self-reliant right they don't they don't know how to take responsibility for their own actions so um, do you think that the product that you're working on like is going to be affected by that in the longer term like do you think that there's going to come a day where a regulator's going to step in and be like you know, wallets should do X, Y, Z to protect the users, uh, it's going to be stuff that runs counter to your mission. And like, if that happens, how do you fight that at that point? It it seems like it would be too late if you got into that spot where Elizabeth Warren is calling you up and saying, I'm drafting a bill that says that self-custody wallets have to not have to be custodial or something like that. Um, Some nonsense. But like, I just can't, I don't see how it ends any other way.
1: Yeah, it's really tough. And that's like probably one of the like the reason, like obviously, like some of the stuff that I do with like the on-chain tracing and the investigation, um, and like just really closely like looking at the scammers and how they operate. Like part of that is because I want to help victims and like I want to like follow <laughs> the money, figure out where it goes, try to try to help people recover, try to prevent the loss, etc. The other half of it is like this more big existential question, which is like how does this industry survive if like there's just so much loss happening? Because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, people in power will, uh, yeah, they will, they will, they will do things and they may not be the best things. Um, And if they don't know, like the hardest thing to watch is like, there's a lot of people, not necessarily Warren specifically, but there's a lot of people out there that like, They don't know crypto. They're in a position of power in one way or or another. They don't know crypto, but they know that they don't know crypto. Um, And some of those people are like, I don't know, let's talk to them. Let's talk to these crypto people and see, like, let's learn about it or whatever. Um, However, some of them are like, yeah, I don't know crypto, but, like, it's clear that the crypto people aren't going to do anything to stop all of these huge bad things happening. Look at, like, North Korea, terrorists, Hamas. Oh, my God. And like even though they know that they don't understand it even though they know that they don't know it's like when the big bad things are so glaring and so prevalent and the ecosystem like just seems to like be fine with it that's when you get really 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 bad actions um and bad not defined as like bad by crypto people's philosophies or bad by u.s government philosophies like fundamentally bad for everyone involved, right? Because they're like rash decisions. They don't have any focus on like outcomes, right? Like they don't have any, they're like, what is success? There is no defined success. It's basically just like, uh, oh, bad thing, kill it with fire. And like, you know, then half the world burns down. You're like, oops, my bad. Like, well, it's good for the people (laughs) in
0: control, right? It's good for the people that want to limit technology's advance so that they can do what they feel is making the world a safer place. So it's like competing incentives, right? Cause that's what they're uh, paid to do. That's what they're funded by um, taxpayers to do, you know, even though we're the taxpayers, but like um, we, you know, so we see it as bad, they see it as good, but they're the ones with all the guns and all the power. So how does that ever stop if we have, it's tricky with this type of tech because eventually it's gonna happen and and, and there's no way to decentralize the development of, of software like this. I mean decentralize it to the point where there's it's not attackable, right? Yeah by by a government or something like that. So Yeah. Um, so I
1: think like I don't okay. Like first off I don't have answers to these huge questions. Like they are gonna come require on. like they're gonna require <laughs> like <laughs> again, like, I think the best outcome is going to be one that forms from the tension and, like, the combination of so many different ideas and expertises and stuff. But I will say that, like, um, I think if we, I think that, like, if we look at what we're, like, we really define success, and we really define, like, what are we trying to go after? um, And what are, like, the, I try to define, like, The things that we're trying to do not the things that we're trying to avoid um then i actually think that a lot of times we are um like we're actually not in fundamental disagreement with uh law enforcement or with like policymakers even or even regulators right like i think that we can all agree that when someone has their money stolen from them that is bad it would be better if they didn't have their money stolen We can all agree on that. The differences come from like, so what do you do about it? Right. And on the one end of the spectrum, um, you have, you don't do anything about it. They got their money stolen. That's life. On the other end of the spectrum, you have, um, you know, sort of the, you should do anything, anything that you could possibly do to prevent that theft from happening. Um, And And from happening again. Yeah. And That when you get into that really die hard um uh do anything to prevent the theft, you actually lose sight of the the unintended or the second order consequences of preventing that theft. And so, like back to like this is why I say it's like a lot of the things that I think about and work on are about MetaMask, but they're not about MetaMask. Like, like it's a it's exactly like the sort of the MetaMask conundrum, which is the best way to prevent people from losing their money is to prevent people from sending, right? But like, then you don't get anywhere, and yeah. so, you know, that's sort of how the traditional finance system currently operates, and that's how, um, for example, Coinbase is like, Coinbase is 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 one of the. They don't have a lot of illicit flows going through Coinbase. How did they get there? How did they accomplish that? Well, uh, you know, you have to really prove yourself to be uh, this legitimate person in this specifically defined way in order to use Coinbase. Um, However, uh, you know, if you are a person say in Africa, who makes like $20 a month uh, and inflation is through the roof uh, and you just want to go stash your USDT or you just want to go stash the fiat that you earn in USDT, in order to be protected from inflation, you can't use Coinbase, like, you just can't, right? And so, uh, yes, they have less illicit flows, that's good, right? They are, they are perceived to be good in a lot of ways. Uh, They are good in a lot of ways, right? However, you know, uh, it would also be good if they empowered that, you know, the person making $20 a month in Africa or whatever it is, right? Um, they can't how do you how do you accomplish right? both? Well, I mean, I mean, they can't
0: because it's 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 they're regulated, they're controlled. They're told what they can and can't do unless they establish yeah. a business in Africa, I guess they could do something like that. but um, yeah, but and you it's, guys it's
1: fundamentally, it's fundamentally like the traditional systems, the regulated systems, the way that the US and you know not just the US, a lot of the globe has sort of said, the best way to prevent illicit flows is by having this sort of default default off right default no default blocked so by default when you are like you're just you pick a random person off the face of the planet right that person is like a default no they cannot access bank they cannot access financial systems until they take these actions to be able to prove their legitimacy on the flip side what crypto tries to do and does do right like what bitcoin has done from day one is say default yes pick a random person off the globe right can they access this yes okay now the evolution that is is an ongoing evolution is where uh you you have a default yes anyone can access it while also preventing the bad things while also preventing the illicit flows That is the most interesting path that crypto could take. That is the one that I think that people should be really, really focused on trying to take. Um, And I think that right now the conversation is more about like regulated, unregulated, regulatory arbitrage. Like, no, don't do anything to stop the theft because it could lead to this like ultra regulated blocked future. But I think there's a path somewhere where we can actually have a default. Yes, anyone can access the system. While also preventing explicitly known bad things like theft, or at least one theft happens, and we say that's a theft, we stop it somehow Mm -hmm. in a decentralized permissionless way or something, right? Haven't you guys already?
0: I mean, haven't haven't you already kind of? It's a dangerous game, right? Because you've already sort of capitulated on this like idea, like if you download. MetaMask in like Venezuela and try to boot it up, it won't work, right? Unless you're using a VPN. Uh, so there's certain MetaMask- countries where you're blocked with the, the uh, Infura backend. So you so know MetaMask
1: uh, as software, like MetaMask is like just um, MetaMask has no idea where you are. MetaMask is just software, right? Right. Uh, the 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 things that you use to like uh, send transactions, which in this case, like could be infura that is you know that's what's deciding whether or not you can access whether well, you're right so
0: infura and metamask are owned by the same company and infura made mm-hmm. decisions based on pressure i'm sure they got from their lawyers or whoever to to block access in certain mm-hmm. countries um so if you download metamask which has default infura um you try to use it stock You can't in those countries, unless you know enough to go in and to make changes. I guess my point that I'm trying to make though is that it's like, it's a step in, in that direction where, okay, like we can get away with stuff today just because regulators and government just doesn't know any better yet. Right. Or, or they haven't had enough of a reason to chase down the developers of the software. They're just, you know, so it's like, it's almost like a a red herring to just make changes with the, um, inferior side, but it's it's my my main concern with this stuff is that i think that that so, the idea of self custody itself is like probably on on you know on track to be at least there's going to be a major attempt made, especially if there's, like you said, like a big terrorist attack or something happens that is a result of self-custody and somebody in government can tie it back to self-custody and say, this person obtained this crypto in the US and they took 12 words in their head over to you know Afghanistan <laughs> and they, they did this and that. Um, at that point, it's going to be like, okay, what can we do? We have to do everything we can to stop this from happening again. And then everybody except for us is going to be on that track the majority, the tyranny of the majority is going to be real. We're going to be the enemies if we promote self custody. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see like I've lived through like nine eleven. I was there looking. I was in New York looking up at the twin towers. Like so, like I've lived through that. Like you know where you know I was part of the of the group that was like we have to just bomb everybody. We can bomb. You know it's like every like COVID. We saw like everybody got into a certain mindset something's okay. going to happen where they're going to turn everybody on crypto. I'm convinced of it. And like, I think that self custody yeah. is going to, and I think they're gonna be looking for, for you guys. They're going to be looking. Cause I mean, you guys have, I don't know. Like, are you the, do you, do you have the wallet with the most money flowing through it? Like period, like biggest self custody wallet.
1: We have the. I think we have the most users. I don't know if we have the most, we don't track again. We don't have like any knowledge about on chain stuff. So yeah like i don't know if there's (laughs) just uh i don't know nobody knows how much money (laughs) flows through a wallet i can say that like in terms of web3 wallets we definitely have the most users and the most active users um although uh like coinbase wallet and trust wallet like it's not like they're that far behind us like there is still uh we do not have a complete like we've not completely captured everything thank goodness Um, And I'm hopeful that like, oh God, wallets are so hard. I wish there were more wallets, I truly do. I think all most people at MetaMask, like more competition is better, more choice is better, uh, more ways for more people to control their money is better. Uh, It's not necessarily like the fully capitalist way, but like, you know, I'm hopeful that the, the, whenever this next bull run comes, uh, I don't know, I'm hoping some other wallets like really gain traction because it's, yeah, innovation, like, yeah, it's way easier to innovate when you have less users.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: we want to see the other wallets, like, dude, just run and innovate. I want to tell all the other wallets, like, go, 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 yeah. do it. Like, do it um, while you have no users, because when you have <laughs> users, you can't do it.
0: <laughs> uh, I know we're running over on time, but do you have a few more minutes? Because I have a couple other things I want to yeah, ask you. Yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, so you're talking before about like the the um, different ways of looking at how you solve these problems. Like, you know, do you throw everything against the wall or do you just let people be on their own? So like one, you know, when you're talking about um, um, the default yes and the default no, you're really talking about should we treat everybody as criminals, as guilty until mm-hmm. they can prove themselves innocent or do we treat everybody as innocent uh, until they are actually observed doing something bad and can be proven guilty? So yeah. there's those are two opposites. And obviously everything right now with like banking regulations, financial regulations, KYC, AML, it's all designed to treat everybody as guilty until they can show that they're doing something okay. If you walk into a bank and want to take out, $10,000 in cash. You're going to have a hard time unless you can prove that you're doing something above board. So mm-hmm. do you think that personally, I think anything that doesn't assume people innocent until guilty is immoral and wrong and, compl- and includes KYC. I think it's immoral and wrong. Like I'm i I'm a, I'm like an absolutist in that regard, yeah. but do you think that there are trade-offs that, that should be made? You know, when it comes to this kind of stuff and crypto regulations and the way that DeFi is evolving and stuff like that, and the way that your wallets, your products evolving, do you think trade-offs should be made, or or do you, are you anywhere close to where I am? You know, as far as like everybody has dignity, everybody has a right to be treated as an innocent person. Uh, Where do you fall on that?
1: Yeah. So I think the reason why I'm in such a weird, like people can't figure out how to categorize me, like they're like, what bucket does Taylor fall into? Like. She loves Eric Voorhees, but also she's, like, this this CBDC coin, dead coin, go, go, go person, right? And, like, there's so many assumptions on me on Twitter right now. And I, like, I laugh and I, like, troll people because of it because it's just, like, hopelessly boring in a lot of ways. But I think fundamentally I actually completely agree with you that, like, the default should be default, yes. We should not just arbitrarily block people out. I think it's harmful to society and harmful to people when you say that they're criminals – even when they're not, I think that disempowering people, right? Like, having people, like, because of where they're born, because of what opportunities they have, because of what choices that they've made, it's, like, anything, the color of their skin, their gender, like, anything like that. I think that, like, when you are prevented from doing things or prevented from, like, believing that you can be whatever you want to be, that is disempowering and that is ultimately, like, net harmful to society because it... uh it like impedes progress, it impedes uh, innovation, it impedes everything. However, uh, I don't think that, that the sort of like the opposite is actually net beneficial either. And so that's why I'm in this very weird middle ground. So I think that things should be default, yes. However, I'm not, that doesn't mean that I fully agree with the Eric Voorhees way or like you know all of your opinions on things because I also don't think that like you should never do anything to prevent anything I think that like when you know um that say like uh, a terrorist organization or like the North Korean regime is uh is doing something and is like profiting from whatever it is um if you can uh, if you know about it, if you can do something about it, uh, then you then you should probably, like, do the things to prevent it. Um, I think that uh, crypto is really, really difficult because uh, sometimes, like, some protocols, some things truly can't do anything, right? Um, however, sometimes things and protocols and projects say they can't do anything, but they're actually, like, a two of three multi-sig and they can totally do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I think like I got, I got, uh, it's really hard to like communicate on Twitter and stuff because like, I think that there's a way where you can have a default. Yes. But if a person like, like if these funds are stolen from a person, right? Like let's, let's like ignore people actually, like, let's just talk about the assets themselves, right? If the assets, the, these specific assets, like, they're stolen, right? They were stolen, right? They were, like, something happened where uh, the person got those funds because they sold them, not because they contributed value to society, right? They did not earn them. They did not work for them, right? Um, they took them from someone who worked for them. In my opinion, That's bad and that's harmful. Uh, And in my opinion, like the best world would be one where the person who, like, you know, got those funds in this illegitimate way, like, no longer had those funds because they don't deserve them. However, I'm not saying that, okay, let's KYC everyone. I'm not saying let's violently take those funds from them because that does open up a huge number of slippery slopes. It's very easy to. Create more harm in doing so, right? Um, however, like just just if we just ignore the slippery slope stuff, right? Like, I think that we can agree that like, you know, stolen funds like shouldn't be stolen, right? So what do we do right. about it? That's the open question, right? What do we do about it? And I think that um I would love to see this ecosystem have more, like, just open conversations where instead of assuming that the only two positions in the world are, like, KYC everything and and create a fully permissioned system with Elizabeth Warren in charge versus, like, allow anyone to do anything, even if they're, like, destroying society. Like, those are not the only two positions. Those are, like, the two very, like, crazy ends of the spectrum. And I wish that we had more conversations in the middle because that's where you can innovate that's where you can progress and that's where you could actually make the world better because the reality is is that if like stealing and defrauding and scamming is so incentivized right which right now kind of is in crypto like you've been here long enough you've seen it like there's more and more and more and more ways that people are scamming because it's mm-hmm. so incentivized if we keep doing that um and we keep just like sort of like allowing that to happen because like the alternative is that we um you know we have this other really bad thing which is like the government controlling everything we do or like this one specific authority controlling everything we do um what's going to end up happening is that actually like the the thieves and the scammers and the frauds are the ones that are controlling us right they control everything we do why do you contribute value to society if it's just going to be stolen from you or or scammed from you or whatever um and i think that that's also bad i think that like uh, when we talk about property rights, like the government is not the only one that can violate your property rights. Other individuals can. Like, and when someone steals property from you, that's a violation of your rights. When they scam you, when they trick you and deceive you into doing something, when they lie to you, it doesn't matter like if it's the government or if it's a random freaking skiddy on the internet, like that's a violation of your rights. Um, And when you have no paths to recourse, whether that's you have no path to recourse against the government when they violate your rights or you have no rights to recourse against the thief who violated your rights I think that's problematic and I wish that as an ecosystem we could talk about uh, what we can do to stop the truly like obviously illicit stuff that's happening um, and like come up with creative solutions because I'm getting very bored on this argument that we like build a whole new financial system but like we can't we can't somehow figure out a solution to all the bad things, right? Like we can build a whole new financial system uh, right up until the point where we talk about like stopping theft or at least disincentivizing theft, right? Because like, we can't do that or something like, no, no, shut the, shut the F up. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like yeah. we're building a new system. We have to build things that empower people like that. This is part of it. When people have things that are stolen from them, that's part of it too. It doesn't mean that we have to do a KYC system, but we have to do something. And we're the only ones that are gonna do it. And if we don't do it, the government's gonna like, yeah, force KYC and AML and all these other failed regimes down our throat. And that's my that's my fear.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I'm so against it is because it's it's um been proven over and over again that that um the government doesn't stop, right? It's like if there's a way to make sure that they know every single thing that's going on. Like they've said repeatedly, like you can be private from each other, but you can't be private from the government. So it's already sort of a standard thing since 9-11 and even before that with the bank secrecy Mm -hmm. act and all that stuff, like, you know, the precedent's already been set that we don't deserve, um, privacy. And so KYC is just, and people are buying into it. Now there's generations that have been born into that and they don't even understand why they should object to, you know, holding up a picture, of their driver's license next to the, next to their face, okay. and a video like a hostage thing with today's date and all this stuff you have to do now in order to open a, like a crypto exchange uh, account. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I mean I think you're right. You know, in theory, but I just think in practice we have no reason to think that it would end any other way. Like it's already illegal to steal, right? It's already mm-hmm. illegal to obfuscate your stolen funds it's already illegal to to do all of this stuff but then we're almost conflating things when we take it upon ourselves to say well crypto needs to fundamentally solve that problem when that problem already exists right it's already existed with cash and with you know a lot of other ways of moving money so that stuff's already illegal so to fundamentally alter the way that that crypto needs to work. I mean, the problem is too, that they can, they can fundamentally alter a lot of things, you know, especially when it comes to, um, like uh, custodial models, like, like, uh, exchanges and stuff okay. like that. But, um, the main reason that I'm so staunchly, uh, in favor of treating everyone with dignity, is just because really I look at it from the individual, like the human point of view, it's like my neighbor is innocent. They didn't do shit. You know, it's like, why should they be treated like a criminal? But again, it goes back to, I was saying the other day, it's like, we can be as as uh, pro-privacy cypherpunk, like, you know, as we want. Um, but if I want to get on that airplane tomorrow to go visit family for Thanksgiving, I got to take off my shoes. I got to stand like this and let them scan my body. And I do it because I, I've capitulated on that. It's like, so we're like frogs in boiling water with this stuff right it's like it's it's gonna happen slowly and it's gonna happen to crypto and it's gonna happen probably to to self-custodial wallets um Mm -hmm. they're gonna keep chipping away at our rights. so that's why i feel like we have to hold the line even if we know we're gonna lose it um because yeah the other way once you start to compromise it's like they ooze in and they just find all these different ways to but again like and my last point on this is that I, this is big part of the reason that I'm on the sidelines and that I don't have a company and that I don't, uh, I'm not building this tech and I'm not involved you know, because I, I know that I would not be able to compromise. I would probably go to jail for, for you know, I like to think that I'll, on the other hand, I would probably try to find ways to compromise. I have a multimillion dollar business and I have uh, 20 employees. Uh, I just don't want to be in that position. So um, I get it. Like you're on the other side of that. And you can't just sit there and say, I'm pro-freedom, I'm pro-this and that, even if everybody gets fired. Like, I get that. But it's it's such a tricky place to be, you know? So um,
1: Yeah, no, it is – yeah, it is a tricky place to be. And I think that – I think why I have, like, one of the reasons I have a hard time, like, articulating, like, what we should do um, or, like, what we could do or, like, how do we prevent, like – how do we compromise without actually compromising, et cetera, et cetera, is because like um what it's really, really hard. Like it's really hard. Like this is an actually an unsolved problem. Like, um, I think that perhaps like one uh one thing that I fundamentally don't believe is like I actually don't believe that KYC and AML has actually done much at all to prevent illicit flows. I don't think that. KYC and AML is the solution to stopping crime um, and so because of that the reason why I have issues with like you know uh, forcibly KYC everyone is that um, it's, it's invasive and intrusive and it puts people in this default deep oh, no position but it also doesn't it's not successful like it doesn't get the outcomes that we actually want um, and so I think that's why like I guess maybe I'm more open to the idea of um of like doing things that could perhaps be perceived to be capitulating on things or whatever is because i'm less focused on like okay don't give the government an inch and i'm more focused on like okay how do we stop illicit flow how do we stop that how do we disincentivize people from stealing or scamming um and if you if you realize that the you realize that like the last like oh my god like nearly a century of laws around financial flows and illicit flows and like who can act like all of those laws are trying to stop like theft and crime right it's trying to like correct the incentives and the power imbalances it hasn't worked it hasn't worked while creating more power imbalances while like completely blocking out huge swaths of the world from like you know having access to financial services and therefore financial freedom and therefore like freedom in general, right? Like, I, I'm i not saying, maybe I'll put it this way. Crypto is like perhaps solutionable enough to think that we could solve what fiat has failed to solve with decades of laws and regulation. I don't know if we could actually solve it because again, it's like a really hard unsolved problem. However, I will say that like, Crypto people are insane and like we've done so much that is like previously thought to be impossible that like maybe if we actually open our minds to the possibility that this is a solvable problem uh, and we use our collective delusion to imagine a world where like you're uh, not in this like government first like individual state but we're in this like how do we empower every single individual to like to, to the best right it's going to be like default yes but like no theft yeah like you know and like i don't know i just feel like i'm i maybe i'm insane (laughs) like just but like (laughs) again like a lot of it's not sure it's possible
0: people are scumbags man it's like (laughs) people are messed up you know any chance they get to steal they're gonna steal like we know that you know i guess um
1: but but i mean Yes and no, right? Like, I think, like, one of the, the most interesting things that, like, Bitcoin at its core is like, opened my mind to is, like, assume that people are incentivized to, like, benefit themselves and be selfish, right? Like, that, like, okay, so then use that to your advantage. That's why Bitcoin, like, that's a whole thing with Bitcoin that I think is, mm-hmm. like, fundamentally magical. It, like, and it really changed my my thinking on things. It's, like, okay, assume that they're going to be selfish and then make sure the system, like... uh works better because of that, right? And that's like, that's, that's, uh, in my opinion, like that's alignment um, and that's good. And I think that like, it just needs to be uh, that same sort of thinking about incentives and game theory and like how people are gonna operate has to just like sort of be expanded to more layers of the stack. Okay, so like assume that people are always going to do the thing that most profits them, right? If there's no disincentive to steal, then yes, people are going to steal. However, if the most profitable thing is to contribute value to society, then people will contribute value to society. Right? So yeah. how do we make it? So how do we make it? How <laughs> You're do trying
0: we to solve solved? the world's problems now.
1: I know. We're going to change the world, Chris. What do you like this the business? The
0: only way we can do oh, this no. is... We need to get Vitalik on here to talk. We need to start like (laughs) manipulating the brains of fetuses while they're still in the womb and start like engineer them into being good people. And then maybe we can have an army of good people that look like a Vitalik, you know, come up and and, uh, uh, come on. I mean, people are screwed. I'm
1: I'm serious. If, if you, if you, okay, so like, um, Why is it that in, like, really, like, corrupt societies, there's, like, more, like, where the government's corrupt, right? There's, like, way more theft. Why is that? And the answer is because um, when that happens, people, like, lose faith in the future. They lose faith in the government. They lose faith in, um, like, sort of, like, what's defined as legal and illegal and good and bad. Like, everything sort of gets upended. Um, And so you you end up with more people who in a different environment would not be thieves or would not be scammers. Those people are suddenly thieves and scammers. Um, There's a number of circumstances like within crypto that I've seen where people actually did not like enter the space to become a scammer, but then they they lost their money or they were scammed or like they just sort of like threw up their hands and they're like, fine, like I'll get on this Ponzi shit. And I think that like it's really like interesting to consider that like, like, when you don't disincentivize theft, or like, even when you incentivize theft, right? You incentivize policies, surprise, more people steal. When people lose like faith in the legitimacy of the system, or faith that like there's gonna be a just outcome, like more people act unjustly. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like that's the crypto reckoning is going to be, you know, uh, do we, you know, do we realize that like, yeah, the incentives have to be moved up the stack? we shouldn't rely just on like the U S law enforcement or regulatory regime to like solve this problem. Like we should do more things, um, where the outcome is most focused on, uh, again, like like good and bad as we define it. Right. So again, yeah. I think if we focus on that and less on like the government side of it, that, uh, it's actually, I don't know, it's easier to have conversations like theft is bad. Okay, so how do we yeah. prevent it? Ponzi's are bad. How do we, you know, um, how do we how do we disincentivize Ponzi's? Um, and then also, like, recognizing that you don't want to disincentivize Ponzi's while also disincentivizing access for all. Like, that's where the line in the sand is. You can still have those lines and at least have conversations about the other side of things. Um, and then, yeah, uh, if we do that and we do it successfully, then I do think that you know, we don't necessarily have to go all the way to the fetuses. We just yeah. like, we just have to like correct the incentives, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. It's idealistic. Think, like I'm very idealistic well, in a sense. But I'm, you like, are.
0: You, know. you are. But I think that you're you're hitting it right on the head when you say Bitcoin's gamification of sort of taking the idea that humans are inherently greedy and mm-hmm. using that as fuel, like, like as, as the fuel that powers the, the blockchain, uh, and that, that keeps it secure, um, that's critical. And I agree with you on that, you know, and I, that was my biggest criticism of Ethereum dropping the whole proof of work mechanism and, and sort of also biggest criticism of just generally the, the economy on Ethereum. Much of it is built around the fact that people are good. Like DAOs are primarily okay. built on the idea that People are good and they're going to contribute and they're going to do the right thing. Think about all these okay. billions of dollars that are secured by, by multi-sigs. They're assuming that the people that can do the right thing will do the right thing. Um, okay. So, you know, crypto has gone in the whole other direction. And that's my, that's my biggest sort of worry about okay. the billions of dollars that you guys are um, facilitating the movement of with, with your wallet you know, I think that, that people are making the wrong assumptions and we need to get back to a state mm-hmm. where we um, we assume everybody's innocent until they're proven to be guilty. But at the same time, we understand that humans are inclined to mess up and to do, mm-hmm. do stupid things and to, 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 to be selfish. That's just who we are as humans. We should own that. You know, we have to own that. And, and much of mm-hmm. crypto just doesn't even want to acknowledge it. And then until it's too late, I think that's why there's so many scams. It's because there's too much of ignoring human nature uh, with mm-hmm. all of these different products. But you hit you hit that on, and you you got to that. I think, but I think the idealism comes in thinking that we can change that because I don't think we can. Yeah. I think technology yeah. could better harness it, like Bitcoin. I would love to see yeah. more more stuff like that. Um, but why we haven't seen it? Like nothing else yeah. has really come along that's harnessed greed the way that Bitcoin has. So yeah
1: and that's my like I think one thing that prevents that that sort of insane like like in order to come to those like realizations or like unlock these like new sort of like ways of of existing or operating like your brain has to be able to get there and I think that when you're sort of locked into a like um like if you're so scared of even venturing into this realm because like potentially there could be something bad you can't even think about it you can't converse about it and you can't like get to the point where you know between the tension and the fighting and the like okay how do we optimize for good without like allowing evil and you know et cetera, et cetera? like if you can't even get there then you can't get to the final actual like solution or interesting idea or whatever it is um and that's why I, I try to like i don't know i think we have to harness that the tension and the disagreement um but in order to harness it and like get to that you can't have it doesn't work when it's two sides of the spectrum. Like then everyone's just like, "Raw. You have to like yeah. at least sort of get to the heart of it um and and be able to I don't know, like respectfully debate it or theorize about it or whatever. Um and again, like I'm not I I don't have a solution. Like I don't have the solution. I probably never will. I'm definitely not one of the those brains that like can get there, but I do think that again, the amount that this ecosystem has done, the way that it drains and creates it, and, like, I don't know, there's something remarkable about it. Like, I don't think we should uh, downplay the fact that, like, this ecosystem on the regular creates, like, trillions of dollars of value without, like, blinking. <laughs> like, say what you right. will about, like, <laughs> the, the quote about legitimacy of that value. Like, it is, like, really valuable. Um, And I just feel like, you know, if you just, like, just like redirected it so slightly you know <laughs> instead of like finding the trillions of dollars of ways you can like reinvent the Ponzi scheme you could like actually you know find really unique ways to say uh like incentivize better behavior incentivize positive beneficial behavior and or disincentivize the like you know thefts and scams and Ponzi's um that's my theory that's why I'm like most optimistic about, about crypto. Cause like, I don't know, I guess it's bizarre, but yeah. Like if we, <laughs> we literally create trillions of dollars of value, if we can do that, like we should be able to do this other thing. Right.
0: Yeah. The real question is, would we, would we be able to create trillions of dollars of value without the stupid Ponzi <laughs> schemes and without the stuff that people are losing their money on? I'm, I'm yeah. not totally sure uh we'll have to see where it leads to but uh but hey listen see this was a good chat right this was okay yeah this we're okay right we're cool so look let's have a deal no matter how much i piss you off for the next two to three months okay you won't you won't block me on twitter
1: Two to three months. We're going to have a no blocking each other. We're going to have a,
0: a ceasefire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens.
1: I love how it's like two to three. You're not like forever. Like that's just like. Sad. Well, like look. Reasonable I goals You've ourselves.
0: blocked me way more than I've blocked you. I mean, I gave you a lot of crap with the MetaMask mm-hmm. thing. I gave you a lot of crap. I mean, there was stuff. Yeah. With yeah. Infura and that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but you know, whatever, um, we'll see what happens. I'll still call you out if you do stuff. I mean, or you say stuff. Uh,
1: as you should, as everyone should. Like, yeah, and and I will fight back, and you know, provide alternative explanations for things, uh, or <laughs> just be like <on> you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll be all right. No, we'll be all yeah. right.
0: Well, listen. Thank thanks. I, I think though. this will this be valuable for people, and uh, we should do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.